Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule We Get It podcast 24. And we've had some weeks without Mina Rizuki on the podcast. She's been sunning herself in Spain and all sorts, but she's back. And that means we've been having a right old girly natter before we came in. Good to have you back on. Oh, it's so good to be on. I mean, we've just been chatting now for an hour, so we really should start the podcast (laughs) at some point. We really should start it. I'm joined as always as well by Kate Borsay. Hello. I wanted to say, by the way, girls, I bought in, especially, you might have noticed the champagne glasses, the flutes, because we're going to get toasting and we're going to take a quick pick, put it on Twitter, because there's an anniversary. And thankfully, Richard Keyes reminded me of it on Twitter. But apparently it's been nearly five years since their little misdemeanor on Sky Sports, uh, <laughs> where they said that Sean Massey didn't know the offside rule, that women didn't know the offside rule, and hence what was born? The offside rule. We get it. We note, get it. Note the little pun. Yeah. Mm. So we, we know from them tweeting, and, and sort of gloating about it, which was a bit bizarre. By the way, the responses were very trolling, actually. As they should be. That's just a hideous thing to do. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't remind me that that was nearly five years ago. So that means it's nearly five years since this idea was born. Happy anniversary, the offside rule. We get it. Thank you very much to Keith and Gray for the unerring amount of inspiration in helping us develop this award-winning formula. Yes, and it is award-winning. <laughs> Good for you getting that in. We are the offside rule. We get it. I'll repeat that. And we are brought to you by Continental tyres getting you to the game safely we thank them for their continued support and on today's show because Mina's on and she is our European aficionado our expert we're going to have a European theme we've got Champions League around the corner and I thought well there's quite a few topics that have been in the news this year in particular that have got me thinking about alternatives around Europe so I'm going to start off by asking you to think about long-serving managers we'll come back to that in a second but Arsene Wenger celebrating 20 years in the Premier League what are the other examples are there any still in, in a job around Europe? We're also going to go on to talk about European transfers. Yes, it is the January transfer window. We are going to do this to death. <laughs> we're going to get as much from transfers as we can. We've already done England, haven't mm-hmm. we? But we're going to go across Europe and look at transfers within Europe, maybe France to Germany, Germany to mm. Spain, that sort of thing. I can guess by the time the transfer window's done by next week's podcast, we'll probably have another little transfer topic, best of the window. And then, just to top it all off, at the end, we like to have a giggle about a few things. We'll bring in our own examples about this. Was anyone watching BT Sport when they were having some pitch-side punditry going on and Mamadou Sakho's daughter, Gate, crashed the interview, the cutest thing, caught on video. And I thought they handled it brilliantly, actually. And, you know, they were leaning down and giving her a cuddle. It was really lovely to see. But got me thinking about other Gate-crashed interviews in football. And you'd think, oh, that must be slim pickings. But there's so many examples. <laughs> Examples, are there? Yeah, there are. And you know what? When I was looking into it, I was laughing because there are so many actually to choose from. There's something I'm going to mention later, but I'll save it till later. It's not so much as a game crash, but I like it when interviews take a twist. Mina Rizuki is teasing you there. (laughs) That's what's coming up on this week's podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside Rule We Get It. There's only one of us. So, ladies, we're going to start with long-serving managers. Um, Arsene Wenger, 20 years. I'll tell you what, there's a real gulf, isn't there, in the Premier League between him and then the next managers. And the average now is down to two seasons, actually. Mm. That's a sorry state of affairs, isn't it, really? 
It is, it is. And, and thank goodness Wenger's still making that average high. <laughs> Could you imagine if he hadn't been in 20 years, the average would probably be about five months or something. So let's actually cast our net further afield. We're going to start with our guest, Mina, and just talk about European managers who've had a long haul. I'm not talking flight. You had a short haul <laughs> flight coming from Spain. Well, actually, mine is not going to be a man who sort of lasted or is the longest serving manager ever in Spain, but he is quite famous for how long he lasted with Sporting Quijón. It is, of course, Manuel Preciado, who passed away in 2012, just after he was appointed as coach of Villarreal. I mean, he was just this wonderful character, a real footballing loving man who's experienced so much tragedy in his life. So his wife passed away from cancer. And uh, I think two years after that, one of his two sons uh, died in a car crash. And he said, I could have shot myself or I could have carried on. And and he obviously chose the latter. He was famous as a racing Santander player and then became their coach. It's where his home and his heart is. He had this gravelly accent. He was a really laughable character. He always laughed with all his players, always seemed happy despite all the tragedy that he experienced. And I think more than anything, he was just a man who really made you love the sport. And he just turned young boys into great footballers. He never coached the big teams, but he did do a marvellous job with the likes of Levante, who'd never known what it was like to play in top flight football, or hadn't, at least from 1965. And after so long, he managed to get them promoted, which was one of his greatest achievements. Went to Sporting Quijón, a team that hadn't been in the top flight for a while. Again, managed to get them promoted. Lasted with them for six years, in which they experienced some extraordinary football, despite the fact that they had the lowest budget of any other team. And he's just somebody who always had a great quote. You'll find he was most famous for basically losing 1-0 to Barcelona at the time. And Mourinho came out and said, well, I mean, if teams are just going to rest their best players to basically give the Catalan side an easy win, then what can I say? Obviously, it's going to be difficult for my Real Madrid. And he actually said something along the lines, when he is upset, he once said, I was as overheated as a hippie's motorbike, which is just one of the funniest (laughs) things he ever said. But he was so angry at what Mourinho had said at the time and he tried to let it go and then eventually he said oh he's an egotistical maniac how dare he say that about a side that's so humble and trying so hard that April his side defeated Real Madrid in the Bernabeu which is the first time in nine years that Mourinho had lost on his own patch he's just a man that really made players want to play for him and teams want to win promotion for him and and cities rejoiced and when he died they built him a statue so definitely one that deserves a mention. I just wanted to mention quickly, okay, he's not one of the greatest European managers ever, but we have to mention Ronnie McFall, who is manager of Portadown FC in the Irish League. Nearly 30 years at the club. He's resigning at the end of this season. You've got to take your hat off to this guy. Irish manager of the year, a total of five times. He's won over 20 trophies whilst he's been in charge at that club and uh, retiring at the age of 70 at the end of this season. So you've got to say well done to him. I even found a little nugget about the world longest serving football manager Jim Davis he bid farewell to his career recently after 50 years as boss of Waterloo Dock famous (laughs) in Anfield yeah no I know I know just a really nice story well soon as we're coming back to you I'm hoping that you've picked a manager that lots of people know. However, I had the choice between two for this topic, for an example, and I could have gone for the big name that everybody would know. Or I could go for someone that you probably won't have heard of because it's in the Belgian league. But I've done a bit of a twist on 
the topic because it's longest serving manager. You're laughing. Yeah. But I, this actually took me a lot to find right. because longest serving when you add it all up together, i.e. it wasn't a continuous run. With different clubs in the same league. No, <laughs> this is a man that returned to the same club one two three is on his fourth spell at the same club 26 years in total if you add it all together now that's been broken because he's left and then he's been reappointed but I think this must be like a one of its kind sort of example of someone who's gone down is it on one of those freelance contracts when you're not allowed to work 12 months in a year you have to work 10 months (laughs) for tax reasons for tax reasons so they just keep firing him and hiring him again I was going to say that maybe it's like a Palermo coach because all he ever does is sack coaches but he he never terminates their contracts he can rehire them months later when, when the replacement also doesn't do a great job well, we are testing everyone who listens to this and downloads every week. Thank you very much. I'm testing your obscure football knowledge here of the Belgian League. But if you're screaming out the answer whilst you're on the tube or doing your daily commute, congratulations if you were saying Frankie Jury went on to manage Zulzer in the Belgian League four times, like I say, and he's still currently there, still currently in management. And that's why I chose him in the end of a couple of my other examples is because he's still in the job. I thought about it throughout the English leagues as well. Do you know anyone that's been reappointed? We know that Mourinho and Gus Hiddink have been back to Chelsea, you know, twice. But where are the examples of someone four times? The one that I mentioned was three times. Palermo. Preciano. So he was three times he'd gone back to Sporting Quijon. Sorry, Racing Tanzander. It happens. I think, though, speaking of threes, three times a dream. We're going back to Kate, aren't we? Three examples. But this is going to be number four, isn't it? (laughs) Wow, this beauty. Uh, No, I wanted to mention CSKA Moscow's Leonid Slutsky. Uh, He's been at the club over six years now. In a climate in Russian football where teams are known for bringing in superstar managers and playing huge amounts of wages, Slutsky's outridden them all, basically. He's seen several of his fellow managers in that Russian Premier League come and go and he's maintained his success at the side. A very low-key appointment, really. But yeah, CSKA have done really well sticking with him and that tells the story of CSKA Moscow. They work within a budget. They don't go for the big bucks football. They are financially sound. He's won a couple of Premier Leagues with the side, a couple of Russian Cups as well. He's known for his hard work, for his modesty. and In fact, he wanted to be a goalkeeper. Now, this is a half-comedic, half-sad story in that he was thwarted from continuing with a career as a goalkeeper. He basically never became a professional footballer. Have you been aware that it's like nearly 400 years of Shakespeare? (laughs) He was thwarted. (laughs) I like a nice bit of language, you know. Sometimes it's good to remember our English language. But anyway, he basically rescued a neighbour's cat from a tree, fell out the tree, smashed his knee up, could no longer play at the age of 19. But it didn't matter because he has succeeded in his football ambitions through his managerial career. He's a lovely guy as well, actually. The press really like him. Professional, personable, a very quiet leader of the side. What's even more amazing about him is he took charge of the Russian national side after Capello basically messed it up, winning uh, only two of ten I games. I agree with that, but maybe the talent's not there, so what are you supposed to do in that case? Well, in that case, you get a manager like Slutsky along who actually then succeeds in taking Russia to Euro 2016. So take a bow, Slutsky. He was only meant to be in charge until November. He's still in charge right now. And do you know what's lovely about this story? He takes not a penny 
for being coach of the Russian national side. He did it for free. I bet he's regretting that when he saw what Capello's on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he did take a bonus, I have to say, for getting the team through to the Euros, but he took on the role without expecting to get a Rupal. Well, seeming as you're wanting the language, the Shakespearean language, we doffeth our caps to him, don't we? Who does he play for, Doffeth? (laughs) Surely he's a a Werder Bremen player or something. Leonardo Doffeth. Maybe he plays for one of your Waterloo dogs players or something or other. (laughs) We'll leave it there. I'm Gary Neville, and you're listening to the Offside Rule. Well, we took quite a lot of time on Topic One, girls, so we're going to go through this one quite quick. This is transfers around Europe, but not into England. I want France to Germany, Germany to Spain, wherever you want to go. But a pick that you think has been brilliant, and why? <laughs> brilliant? Yes. Oh, you never said that when I got that script. It did not say a brilliant transfer. It just said a transfer that you thought caught the eye. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, OK, caught the eye. How do we know if they're brilliant? The, the transfer market isn't even know for yet. Or should it be caught of the eye? I, I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah, something that caught of the eye. Right, well, I think I'm going to mention Stephen El Sharawi. He was thought to be like the next great sensation called the Pharaoh. I don't know if you remember him, but he was huge at the time. He did so well when he was coming up the Milan ranks. And Ibrahimovic actually pretty much left Milan because of him or at least got into a fight with Massimiliano Allegri who was the coach back then and there was a very famous story which well the club tried very hard to let's say not let come out in the public although it did at the time and I was taught this on the sly so believe me when I tell you this is reportedly and not definitely (laughs) well it was reported at the time that uh, Ibrahimovic had basically gone up to Allegri taken him by the neck held him up against a wall and said I will not play with the Egyptian and said you know you play me with who I tell you who you play me with or you're out of here basically yeah. needless to say <laughs> Ibrahimovic at the end of that season went to PSG alongside uh, Thiago Silva Shirawi stayed started to do very well but it all lasted six months and he just started to accrue injury after injury after injury mm-hmm. and everyone started to wonder whether this kid was ever going to make it because it was just way too many injuries now some people like to believe again on a report interest that he's not been injured but rather he's just suffered the trials of youth and that these are the reasons why he hasn't been on the pitch. Others tell you no they are full-blown injuries we don't know the truth. Either way he went to Monaco in hopes of reviving his career because of course they lost Martial to Manchester United and Carrasco to Atletico Madrid. They had to basically buy him after 25 games so it was a loan period but if he was to make 25 appearances then he had to be a full-fledged member of the Monaco team. So they played him for 24 and then said we are not going to play him for the 25th and if he rots on the bench we don't care. So Milan have taken him back now and sold him off to Roma who have Edin Dzeko who just doesn't score for them at all. So it's an interesting story because Roma desperately, desperately mm. need someone who knows how to score a goal for them. They've lost Javinho now to China and Dzeko is just not getting along with the wingers so they hope Shirawi with his ability on the ball and ability to play with those alongside the front three can perhaps introduce something new mm. to Spalletti's team. But he's a kid that you really sort of want to know whether he was ever talented or whether yeah. they were just a one-off. There, yeah. Exactly. So that's for me, that's the one that caught the eye. Monaco to Milan, back into Roma. Quick bit to continue with Italy as well. AC Milan, they have managed to get Kevin Prince Boateng back on loan after an awful spell at Schelke, by all accounts. Um, not permitted to train with the first team, had to keep himself fit. He f- wanted to find a new club, found Milan. He was basically given a hard time for disciplinary reasons at Schelke. I don't know quite what went on there. Lots of different rumours flying around. He said it was the toughest time of his career. He asked a lot of questions of himself and nearly retired at the age of 28. He had such a hard time 
But I, I guess it feels like for him, he's coming back home, back on loan to AC Milan. And I think, you know, this is a special place for him. We've talked yeah. about this too, Mina. You know, no one performs a dance routine to Michael Jackson's moonwalk for a packed out San Siro and doesn't love that club. Similarly, I think he sang a cappella on B in Sports, didn't he, to celebrate their eighth birthday. So look, he's a big personality when he's happy. Yeah, and he's also he's also married, has a baby with with a very famous uh, showgirl. Oh, or is that that's <laughs> what she is, and she's very famous. She's from Milan. She comes from a very uh, wealthy family, um, and she went out with Vieri. So I think that she wanted to uh, move back to Italy, and she would have definitely mm-hmm. tried his hardest to get back into Milan for her. She obviously really liked footballers too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that mine is another loan, but I have an accompanying video and I am very aware that this is a podcast. Perfect platform for video, this. So I'm going to give a plug to our friends at the Daily Mirror at mirror.co.uk if you can find this video. This massive plug. It is a big plug for them, our friends over there. I think this is quite a find. There is a loan deal that's gone through. For anyone who follows La Liga and the Spanish League, you'll know Levante are rock bottom they're in trouble so as you can imagine fans lifelong fans old men in particular who've been going for years and years and years as well as old women you can imagine what they've seen come and go and the thought of their beloved club getting relegated Mm. no they don't want to see that and they don't want it to be the last thing they see either if they're really old (laughs) (laughs) you basically killed off all the levante fans after talking about how awful it is for them you've just massacred them all i know well fiorentina have allowed Giuseppe Rossi to go there on loan. Listen, I, I'll explain this because he was, when he was brought over by Fiorentina, he was performing magically. You know, he was taken over from Villarreal, who he was doing very well with at the time. And Fiorentina, he started scoring the goals like in abundance. And then he suffered a crucial ligament injury, which was the second, he saw two in a row, which meant that he couldn't play for the Italian national team in the World Cup either. And there was a huge outpour of emotions from everyone involved. All the fans were questioning why he wasn't playing. And Prandelli at the time was insisting he wasn't fit enough to do it he insisted he was but two crucial ligaments injury to be out for two years in a row is a huge deal so he's just back now he's back to form but Fiorentina are really fighting for a Champions League position they don't have time to bring him in back slowly so they want him to go away for six months to recover his form and then he can come back well step in this man because he gets unveiled goes to the stadium this video is immense you can get he is so thrilled that he is there He takes his head in his hands. He kisses Rossi and he says, thank you, thank you so much, thank you. He just thinks that... Exactly how they speak, (laughs) isn't it? Exactly. Everyone around him are just watching because he well, he believes they're not actually, but he believes <laughs> that this player is going to turn Levante's season around. And you watch it and you just realise that this man he's lived and breathed Levante all his life, and he just thinks this is it. This is the shining light. Oh. You can imagine what Rossi's thinking is bloody hell. I better perform now. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Rossi's agent might be sixty-seven, but he's doing a really good job of selling the arrival yeah. of Rossi back at yeah. Levante. No, I'm I'm only joking. I don't want to write him off. I think many people who've admired him, and like you say, he's still young. But I just feel like exactly picking up on what you said is those injuries, there aren't many players that come back to what they were, are they, after those injuries? And that, unfortunately, is one of the downsides of sport if you pick up an injury like that. Check out exclusive football content daily on OffsideRulePodcast.com. At the very start of this podcast, I did tease what our final topic would be, gate crashing. I'm not talking parties, although I imagine that Kate Borsay did a lot of that when she was bored in Gloucestershire. Did you? 
do you mean? Gate cra- I can imagine you gate crashed a few parties. I didn't, but I had a big party at my parents' house when they went away for the weekend and I was entrusted with the house. I was quite a sensible girl, really, but just a little switch tripped against my normally quite outrageously behaved brother. Against his wishes, I decided to have a party and the local 19-year-old bad boys, the Bogans, turned up and completely <laughs> nearly wrecked my mum's house. It was terrible. Oh, no. Um, have you gate-crashed anything? No, but I've always wanted to be a wedding crasher because I sort of wanted the stories. I didn't think when I started this that I would be the bad girl of the, of the three of us. Of course you are. You know <laughs> and you know that as well. <laughs> I've gate-crashed a few parties and a wedding. But it was only because they had the do in what I would call a mixed venue. So it wasn't like they had just the venue for the wedding. There was other things going on in that building. So you could go into the wedding party and know it was a free bar or you could go in the rest of the building where it actually was open. So that's why we just gatecrashed the wedding part, if you know what I mean. But anyway, um, we won't go on to that. But let's talk about gatecrashing interviews because we all work in football. I want a personal example. I'm sure it might have happened to you. I'm sure I've mentioned this before about somebody who was a serial offender with me. So I I will actually name and shame him again. I want those examples, but also other examples. Mamadou Sacco's little girl. Now, she didn't know what she was doing. Uh, She was wandering into BT Sports' little post-match interview and was so cute. We loved her. But there are more intentional examples. In fact, I don't think I've got any that weren't intentional in mine. One's from the world of football and one's from yourselves. Where do you want to start? I think let's go with our personal experiences. Kate. I was doing an interview with Jay Ledley at Crystal Palace. And you'll get this a lot, Lindsay, Mina, possibly too. When you go to these clubs to do these basically obligatory interviews with players, some of their teammates will do anything that, that they can to try and distract them. And they think it's funny and everything else. And if you're a woman, it's textbook. But actually, you know, some of them will deliberately pull faces or walk into shop because they think maybe you're a bit of an easy target or because they want to have a bit of a laugh. They're a bit excited by seeing a woman in the dressing room interviewing a player or the boot room. Well, just like even. Ibrahimovic, because he actually gatecrashed an interview that Laurent Blanc, his boss, his manager at PSG, was having with Miss France because he wanted to see her and say yeah, hello. Of course, of course, this is it. So I'm interviewing Joe Ledley, very quiet guy. We were talking about Wales national team, we were talking about Crystal Palace, and um, in walks an on loan player at that time with his top off. Walks around, strokes his bare chest, (laughs) walks out again. I think, okay, I catch it out of the corner of my eye. Ladies and gentlemen, she's gesticulating as she's talking about all of this, so we have the full image. (laughs) Then I carry on. I don't think he was stroking those. Goodness me. I think she says she's not the bad girl. Oh, goodness <laughs> me. I'm just painting a picture. And BBC Wales were, were also in this interview, much to their bemusement, after I didn't really acknowledge Cameron Jerome. In he walks again. <laughs> this time, he's got a bare chest and a pair of boxer shorts on. So he removes the football shorts that he's got on and arrives in a further state of undress, thinking that I'm going to notice this. I did, obviously, and we had a laugh about it afterwards, but it was a bit like, oh, come on! I had a similar one. Again, I think I mentioned it anyway in a previous podcast, but where I was interviewing Graziano Pella and Kelvin Davis came out. in Calvin Klein's? (laughs) Literally in in, in like Y-fronts. They weren't even boxers. There wasn't even that much to them. He strutted a bit and I think he thought that it would maybe under nerve me and, and I really very quickly went oh I was waiting for Graziano and that's a bit of a disappointment because <laughs> I was waiting yeah. and then I think he got a little bit like oh but I was just joking yeah I say gate crash he gate crashed the start because I thought Pella was coming out and it wasn't mm. it was him but 
For me, I think the only thing that I can ever really tell you is I remember doing a CNN show once and it was being hosted by Pedro Pinto and I was doing it with Ruth Hillard at the time. So we were on a panel um, and he was FaceTiming his girlfriend, his Mexican girlfriend, uh, the whole time. And Pedro was going nuts because he was during during the show (laughs) just before. But he took her on to what was supposed to be the rehearsal. And then the start of the show was supposed to be straight after. Right. So the whole time he had her on, he was always intending on hanging up on her when the time comes for the show. But because Pedro Pinto was getting so angry at the lack of professionalism he was just winding him up more and more so he's like right Ruth I need you to stand on this particular spot because that's where you'll be standing when you do the presentation and he's like yeah one second one second sorry darling and he was going I need you to concentrate fully on this and I was just uh, that was the only thing that I at the time that I remember laughing so much and she knew exactly what was going on and she was like "Uh, do I speak do I not speak and he was going speak darling speak Um, so that was about that's my story I've told this story before but last season and when QPR were in the Premier League, I get sent to different Premier League clubs every week to go and do interviews. So I'd be sent there quite a bit. And the first time it happened, I thought it might have been a one-off. But I was interviewing one of the players. I can't remember the first time who it was, but it was someone like Stephen Colker. And Rio Ferdinand gatecrashed it. He basically interrupted it. We had to sort of stop for a bit. I giggled a bit and then carried on <laughs> you know thinking no I did a more of a <laughs> get out sort of giggle and do one. <laughs> do one what are you doing and then I went back again and did another interview and somehow he managed to interrupt that and then it became a bit of a theme and I think three or four times the absolute climax being that I was interviewing Joey Barton and he actually snuck in the back of the room dived over the bar <laughs> climbed along to come in back of shot and to properly interrupt the interview yeah. and I just realised after a while that he, it was he was just being a bit of a joker and it was quite funny I was always waiting for him to do it and then if he didn't do it I was a bit disappointed afterwards but yeah I did it about three three or four times basically what you're trying to say is that you really did wish you giggled the first time <laughs> probably and speaking of, of QPR connections my other example uh, from the world of football and I find this funny every time I watch it is do you remember when Harry Redknapp was at Portsmouth did you see this and there's a video of it so Harry Redknapp's having an interview and it's way to the side of, of the pitch and way to the side of all the action and he's left his players and you can hear football going on in the background and there's some questions being asked and then suddenly a ball comes out of nowhere and more or less hits him and he turns around and it's one of the reserve players oh I remember do you remember this I remember this and he said what are you doing and he said what the f was that were you aiming at were you aiming at the goal and then you don't know what the player says and then he turns around and then goes to go back onto the interview and then he turns around and he says that's why you're in the reserves. <laughs> um, there's a couple of really cute examples. Ronaldo's son loves gate crashing interviews. Um, he was doing a sit-down TV interview, Ronaldo, and his son comes in dressed in a Superman suit Aww, and gives his dad a hug. I love that. And then there was an interview, actually. This is a bit of an obscure Turkish one. There was an interview with a Turkish manager, and during the game, the referee had taken the decision to award the away team um, a penalty, so the uh, opposite team a penalty after what looked like a clear dive from the striker the penalty was converted and it was generally agreed that the referee got the call wrong and the manager of the losing team was being interviewed on Turkish TV and the referee gate crashed the post-match interview to apologise for incorrectly awarding the last minute penalty I remember this I was actually watching that at the time I thought it was amazing great huh I love it I guess the only one that I really have it's quite funny only because I I just think that sometimes things really just don't go well for Gerard Piquet but basically they were they were Barcelona playing Katafe in Madrid and uh, and it was Halloween so they'd all dressed up for Halloween all looked like zombies and whatever you like during that time of year they were getting lost video evidence shows that they were like walking along in the 
obviously in their opponent's stadium. And he goes, oh, I don't think this is the right way. And, and they're all basically conversing. They walk into the media room while Getafe's player Victor Rodriguez is having an interview with the press. And, and they just march in and basically spoil the entire thing. And then have been made to apologise afterwards because they were seen as being really arrogant oh. at the time. President uh, Torres of, of uh, Getafe at the time was like, this is just outrageous. They have no manners. The way that they, you know, got dressed and, and they left all, the, when they were doing their costumes, left fake blood all over the toilet. Oh. And there was just this huge outrage and they came back saying listen all we did was accidentally walk into the media room when we shouldn't have when we completely apologized for that but we didn't do anything of the other things that you're was stating it an accident though you know what if you look at the video evidence it really looks like they got lost halfway through <laughs> but it is a rather funny thing to just walk when you're doing your press conference and you're answering questions if you are victor rodriguez and there's just a bunch of players including daniel alves and you know gerard piquet walking dressed like zombies for halloween and you're like what is happening <laughs> speaking of which like gate crashing press conferences did you remember that one where um, Liam gallagher gate crashed man city yeah, and shook the hands of vincent company yes. it was because he wanted to meet meet vincent i think wasn't it Fair enough. oh you know I was going to say it as well before I was saying how interesting it is when they do interviews and halfway through they like I remember Ike Casillas in the World Cup with uh, Carbonara and he kissed her and then he married her after that it was 2010 she was doing the interview she was his girlfriend at the time and yeah. she was asking him how does it feel to have won the World Cup and then he basically kissed her and then another one is in uh, in Italy when the, one of the presenters for Italian TV was interviewing Leonardo the former sporting director of PSG and also coach of Inter and stuff and then halfway through through, she just said she was asking a question. He goes, "Will you marry me? This is the perfect yes, time." I remember this for Utah, and I just thought that's so cute. It has been great to have you back, Mina Rizuki. We better leave it there. This has got all out of hand in different parts. Um, thank you very much for coming back from Spain and um, not staying over there because I'd have been quite tempted at this time of year. I hate January. Well, by the way, it was minus three, so you wouldn't have been that tempted. Uh, it was, was it? Morning, yeah. Was it? It was colder than it was in London. There's a lot to be said for pollution. Uh, thank you very much um, for this week. That. That was podcast number 24. We'll be back with podcast 25 next week. Remember to check out the website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at OffsideRulePod and give a like to our Facebook page. We'll be back next time. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Sports Social Podcast Network.